And if you haven't been with us the last couple of weeks, we've been looking through this series, Hope Revealed, Good News for All. And just to give you a really quick recap, in week one, two weeks ago, when I preached on the passage from Gabriel coming to Mary, and he tells her the good news, he tells her that Jesus is going to be her son. It tells her that she is going to conceive because of the Holy Spirit, although she has known no man. And Jesus would be the one who would be the answer to the Old Testament prophecies. Jesus would be the one who would come to save the world. Jesus would be the one, as he says, the Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. And then last week, Michael preached for us, and and brother, I thank you again for doing that. Michael preached from Matthew chapter 1 and talked about how hope was revealed to Joseph. And how Joseph, although getting the news that Mary is going to be pregnant and doesn't want to have to, for her to face the shame and all the things of that time period for a woman out of wedlock to be pregnant, he goes and he wants to divorce her quietly, but the angel comes to Joseph and reveals the hope to him and tells her that what Mary has said is true and it is of God Almighty. The Most High is doing this. And Joseph has the same response to the news that's been given to him as Mary did the week prior and is all in with what God has called them to do. And so today we come to this point, this passage of scripture in Luke 2, where it is the Christmas story. And no, it's not Ralphie with a BB gun. It is the Christmas story, although I do like that story. It is the Christmas story. It is the story where Jesus Christ has come to the earth. It is the story where Jesus has been born. And for us today, we see how hope has been revealed to us. You say, well, Brian, I wasn't there. I wasn't, I wasn't physically there. I wasn't the shepherd in the field. You might not have been physically there, but oh, how we are like the shepherds. We are ordinary people that God has just so much in his love and grace given us Jesus. The good news to us. My prayer for us today is that we will see how our response should be to this hope being revealed. So with that said, let's stand together one last time as we honor the reading of God's word, looking at Luke 2, beginning in chapter 1, or verse 1, excuse me. Luke 2, verse 1. And the word of the Lord says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius, the governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each of us to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, And laid him in the manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord." 
and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts proclaiming and praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on the earth peace among those whom he is pleased. 15 says, when the angel went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at the shepherds told them. Verse 19, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. And 21 concludes with, at, that, at the end of the eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. This is the word of God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that your word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, I thank you that we have the freedom to stand here right now and read your word publicly in this place. Father, I pray over these next few moments, Lord, that no distraction would come about. Father, that in this place right now at 4602 Durant Avenue, every person that's here, Lord, you knew that they would be here. And Father, no matter where they are in their walk with you or if they do not know you, I pray, God, that you would speak to them in such a profound way this morning that it would be something that they could not wrap their minds around. The fact that the heavenly Father that created everything spoke it all into existence, that would send his only son to this earth, and the beauty of the birth that would lead to the death and ultimately the resurrection, that same God would care enough about them. Move powerfully in this place today, Father. May you increase, may I decrease, Lord. Use me as you see fit. Thank you, Lord, for your grace and your mercy. We love you and we praise you in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. In this message today, at this passage we're looking at, there are five different things that we're gonna see Now, don't get scared. We're not going to be here for three hours, I promise. But there's five different points of how hope is revealed in this passage that I think are very fitting for us today. What we're going to see with those is how this birth of Christ, it comes in the humblest of ways. We see that hope is revealed to ordinary people. We see that this hope that is revealed is good news. We see that it produces worship, but it also demands a response. So with that said, let's look at the first point. Hope was revealed in the humblest way. Hope was revealed in the humblest way. Look again at verses one through three. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius, the governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. At this time period, the registration needed to happen. There needed to be a census. So they needed to have everyone come to their town so that they could make note of who everyone was, figure all that stuff out, but also it was used for taxation purposes. So this is something that is massive. This is all across the board. 
Now, stay with me there for a minute because I'm going to point out something I think is very divine by God because of this. Because we can read this very quickly and think, oh, okay, well, it just so happened that this happened at this point in time. No, it's because of God's divine plan. So this time has come. All are going to be registered to his own hometown. And verse 4 tells us, And when Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. Now, Joseph, it says there that he is coming from Galilee, of Nazareth, but he's going to Bethlehem because of the fact that he is of the lineage of David. If you remember from two weeks ago, and then Michael mentioned it again last week, we pointed out the fact of the Davidic line. That is very, very important because the Old Testament prophecies point to Jesus being the Messiah, but coming through the Davidic line. Now, for, I know not everyone is here that was here at this time, but at this point, uh, well, about a year and a half ago now, and you can go back and listen to it. I mentioned to it. I mentioned it two weeks ago, but we talked about Ruth, for example, when we went in that sermon series through the book of Ruth leading up to Easter that year. Ruth, if she had not gone to Boaz and he redeemed her, it would have messed up the entire genealogy because Ruth is part of the genealogy that leads to David, that leads to Jesus. It's so beautiful. If you take the time, go through God's word and look at the Old Testament Read through those stories. Right now, we're coming up to a very important time with the start of the new year. I encourage you, try to start a one-year reading Bible plan to try to get through the entire Bible in a year if you can. I can offer you many suggestions if you'd like one. But I would encourage you to do that because as you go through and you read these Old Testament prophecies and such, you see the genealogy. You can open up Matthew chapter 1 and see the entire genealogy listed there. And in there, you'll see Ruth is mentioned. I just think it's so beautiful how God, in in his divine power, according to his plan, brings things together that lead ultimately to Jesus. It's the power of God. It's the power of God's word. And so Joseph is part of that Davidic line. He is part of this, and he's going to Bethlehem for this moment to do the census, and he brings Mary with him. It says Mary is with child. Now, That journey is going to take some time. And it is probably pretty late now, obviously, in Mary's pregnancy. And so as they're going to Bethlehem, we see in verse 6, it says, while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Now, I told you a minute ago to hang tight with me. We can read this, and we can see this timing, and we can say, wow, well, maybe it was the journey, and because of where she was in her pregnancy, you know, naturally, she's going to have the baby because there was a lot of movement, and there was a lot of this, or a lot of that. Well, well, yeah, earthly, yes. But when it comes to God and his plan, the plan was for the Messiah to be born in Bethlehem. The Old Testament prophecy said it. Micah chapter 5, 2 says, But you, O Bethlehem, Epaphrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from the old, from ancient days. This prophecy is just one example that points to Bethlehem. So it's not just by chance That because of this census going on that Jesus is born in Bethlehem. No, 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 no. It's because of God's divine plan. 
that Jesus is to be born in Bethlehem. Verse seven tells us, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Ah, isn't that a beautiful picture? She wraps the baby in swaddling cloths and lays it in a manger. It's very beautiful. Until you realize what that really looks like. This is how hope is revealed in the humblest of ways. This manger, it wasn't a nice hospital room. This manger, it wasn't this nice, beautiful room that they had reserved for them in the end. By the time they get there, because of the journey and the, and the travel to get there, everything is filled up. There's no room for them in the inn. But there is the stable where they can go. And they can stay there. But the stable, it's filled with cattle. It's filled, sorry to be blunt, but it's filled with droppings from the animals. It's filled with urine. It's filled with nastiness. It's cold. It's damp. This is where they stay. And this is where the Messiah is born. It's where the Messiah is born. Leon Morris, who's a biblical scholar in his commentary on the book of Ruth, he said, uh, the book of Luke, excuse me, says, we know only that everything points to poverty, obscurity, and even rejection. Talking about this moment. The king of kings. God coming to earth is born in a manger. There was no clean birth. There was no rich, lavishing thing for this king. He's just born in a stable that animals would eat from. Kent Hughes, this one's on the screen for you. Kent Hughes says this. He's a pastor and a biblical scholar in his commentary on Luke. He says, the son of God was born into the world, not as a prince, but as a pauper. We must never forget that this is where Christianity began and where it always begins, with a sense of need, a grace sense of one's insufficiency. Christ himself, setting the example, comes to the needy. He is born only in those who are poor in spirit. Hope is revealed in the most humblest way, which is very profound. Because can you imagine if at Christmas time, if Jesus was born in this luxury castle or beautiful place and it's all described there, I think honestly, especially how our minds can get wrapped around things that are material, we can almost kind of just forget about it. But the fact that he was born in this humble state is so profound. God coming to earth to start the redemptive plan. And it starts in this beautiful, beautiful way. Look at verse eight. It says, in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Here we see that there's now a transition that takes place. Here we see that there's a transition, okay? In this transition, we see that it goes from the scene of the birth to now the shepherds in the field. So it's going to lead me to point number two. Hope was revealed to ordinary people. Hope was revealed to ordinary people. 
Here we see the, the shepherds. They're out in the field. They're keeping watch over their flock by night. And in verse 9, it says, The angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Shepherds are out doing their job, doing what they always do. And then, boom, angels show up. They show up, and it's this beautiful scene that takes place before them. You imagine out there in the field, it's dark. You can see the stars in the sky. That's about the only light you got with the moonlight. And then, boom, light everywhere. These heavenly hosts, the angel is there to proclaim to them the good news. Here's why it's so important that hope is revealed to the most ordinary people. You see, in the first century, you would go around, if you had a child and you wanted to make it known to people, you would go around and you would hire what they called a herald. Anybody familiar with the song, Hark the Herald, Angels Sing? The herald would go around and tell everybody what had taken place. So do you think that God, being who he is, God would go and probably herald the good news to all the most important people in the world, right? He would go to the governor. Oh, but he would most certainly go to the high priest. He would go to the high priest. He would go to the Sadducees and the, and the Pharisees to tell them, hey, guys, my son is born. The one that you've studied all through the scriptures. He's here. My son has arrived. No, no. God doesn't go to those people. God goes to the shepherds. What was a shepherd at that time? Shepherd was just, to put it frank, society looked at them like they were the scum of the earth. They didn't, they didn't see value in shepherds. And don't get me wrong, they appreciated the work that a shepherd did. But they didn't value a shepherd. Most of these shepherds were previous criminals. And the only job that they could find was to be a shepherd. Most of these shepherds were uneducated. Most of these shepherds were just outcast. The religious leaders wanted nothing to do with them because they weren't there for worship. Because they were busy doing their job tending to the flock. And so they weren't accepted by the religious leaders. They weren't accepted by society. Matter of fact, if, if you had a youngest son and you could not afford to have a slave, that youngest son by default would become your shepherd. Nobody wanted the job. Nobody. The lowest of lows on the totem pole. But God comes to them first. God comes to them first. Now, of course, he comes to Mary and Joseph. He had to tell mom and dad what was about to go down. But then he goes to the shepherds. He goes to the shepherds to tell them the good news of what has happened to their, to his son. I read this passage and I think about this and I get to this point and it makes me stop and ask, have you ever felt like a shepherd? You ever felt like a shepherd? All these things that I've described about a shepherd, and, and one of them that I actually forgot that I just remembered is, I mean, they stunk. <laughs> they smelt like the sheep. 
that they were taken care of. Now, I could do a whole sermon series on that in regards to, to shepherds and, and watching over God's flock, and, and, and that could be months on months that we could talk about those kind of things and the calling that God puts on men's lives. But these shepherds, I stop and I think, man, I'm just like that shepherd. There's times where I feel like an outcast. I'm sure that you can, you can probably attest to some of these things. Maybe there's times that you feel like you just didn't ever fit in. Maybe there's times that you felt like, man, God's really not listening to me. Yet God shows up and he reveals the truth of his son being born to the lowest of lows. The beauty in that is, church, no matter where you feel you are in relation to God, He has revealed the Messiah to you. He has revealed the redemptive salvation plan through his son, Jesus Christ. You are valuable. You are loved. God Almighty has made the way for things to be right between man and him. Praise God for that. Third thing we see in this passage is just in verse 10, and it's that hope is revealed as good news. Look at verse 10. Verse 10 says, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Good news of great joy that will be for all the great people. The good news translated means gospel. The good news is that Jesus has come. The good news is that it didn't stop at the manger. It went to the cross where his blood would be poured out and he would be buried, defeating death and raising to new life on the third day. That is the good news. The good news is that Jesus has come. He has come and he's offering salvation. It says that it is great joy. It is great joy. There is great joy because the prophecies that were all written and everything that talked about the coming Messiah is true. So it is joyous. We should rejoice at that. If you recall a couple weeks ago, I read this. I'll read it again. Isaiah 9, 6 through 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. There is great joy because the prophecies have been completed. Jesus has come. And it says that it is for all the people. For all the people. Now, we know from Luke's writing in in this gospel, he's writing, and this writing includes Gentile believers that he's writing to. And he's establishing these things that have happened. Now, in this context, some may assume that the angels were specifically talking here when they're describing this to these shepherds of the people of Israel. But we know from just a chapter over that it wasn't just for the people of Israel. And we know that by looking around here today. Because we are Gentiles. 
We are the people that when God so many years ago tells Jesus to tell the disciples to go and to make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. When he tells them that in the Great Commission, we are a part of that plan. We wouldn't be sitting here today if those disciples said, no thanks, Jesus, I I can't do that. No, they said, yes, Lord, and they went out and they did it. We read it all through the book of Acts. And in years and years and years, as church history progresses, we are here today because of the good news that has been brought to us. But I want you to think about something. Just a few verses later, after this passage that we look at today, matter of fact, the next one, Jesus is presented in the temple. It was the customary thing that needed to be done. And there's a gentleman there named Simeon, and he's a devout man of God. And the scriptures tell us that the Holy Spirit made it clear to Simeon that Simeon would not die until he saw the Messiah. And so when they go into the temple to present Jesus, as it was customary, Simeon sees him. And as Simeon sees the child, he proclaims in a joyous song to God. Praising God because God has been true to his word. And Simeon has seen the Messiah. One verse in that song that he sings, he says this in Luke 2.32. A light of revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people, Israel. Hope is revealed and it is good news of great joy for all people. Because it is a revelation to the Gentiles and to the people of Israel. It is good news for all. It is good news for all. Thank God. Thank God that we get the opportunity to hear the good news and respond. Thank God. Because if you're like me, and you're being honest, remember, we're in church now, We're all messed up sinners. And we all need Jesus. The fourth thing that we see here is that hope is revealed produces worship. Hope revealed produces worship. Look at verse 11. Verse 11 says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Again, In the city of David, pointing to that divinic line again. Verse 12 tells us, And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those whom he is pleased. The angel tells the shepherds what to be looking for, specifically when they go to be able to identify Christ. When they see the baby lying in the manger, wrapped in the swaddling cloths, this is Jesus. And in 13 and 14, they point out the fact that the good news has been shared to the angel, I mean, shared to the shepherds by the angel. And then this multitude of heavenly hosts will come out. And they began to proclaim this glory to God in the highest and on earth among those whom he is pleased. Hope revealed produces worship. The angels worship 
and they glorify God for what has been done. God has seen fit to send Jesus, his son, to save the world. Glory to God in the highest for that. It produces worship. For every person in this room, anyone that listens online, you hear the good news of Jesus at one point in your life, and at a certain time, you profess Christ as Lord. If you know Jesus as Lord, there was that one point in time in your life where you profess Christ. And in that moment, you understood what it meant to proclaim the good news, to proclaim it to God and say, Lord, thank you for saving me. You know what it means. You know the the worship that produces out of you, that flows from you when you think about what God has done for you. And if you're here today and you don't know how to put that together, you don't know what it means to to have this worship that comes out of you because you have never truly known the Savior, today is a day that you can know Jesus. And I'll tell you why in just a moment. But what about us? Does this good news of great joy for all people, does it produce worship in us? Think about that. The last thing we see is that hope revealed demands a response. Hope revealed demands a response. Look at 15. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. The shepherds are gone. I mean, the the angels are gone and the shepherds are like, all right. Let's go. Let's go see what this is. 16 says, And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. I love verse 16. I love it because it says that they go with haste. What does it mean to go with haste? It means to just drop everything and run. Let's find out what this is. Let's go. Here we see these ordinary shepherds, the scum of society. Nobody wants anything to do with them. God has made it very clear to them the good news that has come. And they don't want to take it and bottle it up. They want to say, all right, we've heard it. We're not going to hold on to this. Let's go. Let's find out what has happened. So they go with haste. And there they find Mary and Joseph and Jesus lying there in the manger. Another place that we've seen that, if you, if you go back and read in chapter one, after the angel Gabriel has told Mary of what is gonna happen with her, she goes with haste to Elizabeth. She hurries there as well. It's this common theme that we see. And I think for us, the point where it demands a response is that we, after we have now heard this good news, that we would go with haste to a lost and dying world that's around us every day and proclaim the good news. We must go and we must herald the good news that Jesus has come. He has come. He has come for us. 17 says, and when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered 
at what the shepherds had told them. All these folks that are there, it doesn't tell us exactly who's there in that moment, but the folks that are there, they hear these things and they wonder about what the shepherds have said. But 19 tells us, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Can you imagine Mary in that moment? She's been told by Gabriel that she's gonna have a child, although she's only betrothed to a man. She's never known a man. And she's, she's gonna have this baby. It's gonna be conceived of the Holy Spirit. And she doesn't once give a rebuttal. She says, behold, I'm a servant of the Lord. Do unto me according as your word. She does exactly what the Lord has told her to do. Joseph does the same. And yet now she has had this child and the shepherds show up and all it is is more confirming of what the angel said to her. The angel showed up and they, they told the shepherds, here's the good news. And it says there that Mary treasured these things and she pondered them in her heart. Scripture doesn't tell us what Mary thought about in that moment. But I wonder if she just sat there and said, wow, why me right now in this moment, Lord? I'm not questioning you, but I'm just, I'm just blown away that you would use me for this purpose. You have to remember, she's young. And she's taking all this in. But yet again, Mary does not say anything of a rebuttal. She treasures these things. She ponders them in her heart. And verse 20 says that the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. The shepherds visit, the shepherds leave. And while they're going, again, they are glorifying and praising God for what has been revealed to them. Scripture tells us that eight days later, Jesus is circumcised and he's given the name Jesus just as it was said it would be done. These shepherds, I believe, play a, a very critical role for us because the good news has been revealed to us. The good news has been revealed because Jesus has come. What is our response to the good news that has been given to us? If you're in here and you say, well, Brian, I'm a Christian. I know Jesus. I'm good to go. Yes, you are saved. But what are you doing with that good news? Are you doing as the shepherds and are you, as you're going, continually glorifying and praising God and telling the people that are around you that God has placed in your life what he has truly done? You might stay here and you say, well, Brian, I, I, I don't know Jesus. I don't understand this stuff. I don't know what you're talking about. It sounds like Japanese to me. It's very clear. At Christmas, we celebrate the birth of Jesus in the manger. Jesus would grow up. He would start his earthly ministry around the age of 30, and he would call 12 men to himself to train up as his disciples to teach about the coming kingdom. And then one day, about three years into that, 
One of his disciples betrays him for 30 pieces of silver. And Jesus, before going to that cross, is arrested. He has tried two illegal trials. He is beaten. He is mocked. Scripture says that he is flogged. Whipped continually. The cat of nine tails. Pulling his flesh off of his body. until he carries the cross to Golgotha, the place of the skull at Calvary, where he would be nailed to that cross, a cross just like that. But there was no white sash on the cross when he was nailed to it. No, he was nailed to that cross, and his blood poured out of his hands and his feet. And as he stood there on that cross, nailed there, he looks at the people that he came for at the birth that led to the point of the cross. He looks at them and he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. What perfect love is that? And as Jesus hangs on that cross, It comes the time where God's wrath is poured out on Jesus. And he dies. It's not just a history lesson. It goes deeper than truth because that is truth of what happened. That is history. It's very real because Jesus was the perfect spotless lamb That was the sacrifice for Brian Ayer. Jesus was the perfect spotless sacrifice that was for you. Brian Ayer deserved God's wrath to be poured out on him. You deserve God's wrath to be poured out on you. But God, being rich in mercy... Because of the great love with which he had made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Because when Jesus came off that cross, he was put in Joseph of Arimathea's tomb. And the stone was rolled in front where everybody thought he was done. But on Easter, three days later, up from the grave, he arose. And like the, the, the old time hymn says, with a mighty triumph over his foes. He arose the victor from the dark domain and he lives forever with his saints to proclaim. He arose, he arose, hallelujah, Christ arose. If you do not know this Jesus who was born that lived a perfect sinless life that went to the cross to die for you. My prayer for you today is that you would truly listen to the Spirit's moving if he is. Scripture says all you have to do is profess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you'll be saved. And the promise is that when your life is over and my life is over, no matter what time that is, because there's no guarantee of the fact that I'm going to make it to 80 years old, There's no guarantee that you're going to make it to the next age. It's just facts. 
The truth of the gospel is that when our life is over, if we are in Christ and we know him as Lord, we will see Jesus face to face. But if you do not know Jesus, you will be separated from God for all eternity. It's not my law. It's God's. And it's truth. So as the band comes forward, I'm going to invite you at this Christmas season, as we celebrate this week the birth of our Savior, and we reflect on this, they are going to sing this song, How Marvelous. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene. My prayer for you during this time, during this invitation, don't feel nervous, don't feel scared. If you need prayer, come and talk to me. If you want to know what it means to know Jesus and to be saved further, please come and talk to me. If you just need encouragement, come and talk to me. I'm going to pray. They're going to sing. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for today. Thank you, Lord, that we celebrate the fact that hope has been revealed to us, and it is good news for all. Father, I pray now, Lord, at this moment, as we sing this last song, Lord, if anyone here in this place feels led that they need to speak to me for anything, or whatever it may be, Lord, give them the courage to stand up and come and talk to me. And Lord, let them know that if they don't feel comfortable now, that's okay. They can talk to me afterwards. But Lord, I pray, God, that they would be obedient to your Spirit's leading, whatever it may be here in this place right now. I pray, Father, that you would get all the glory. We love you, Father, in Christ's name. Amen.